Episode 108, John Hoven and Dennis Bernstein. DB, what's happening today? John, it's like the regular season in hockey. I don't, it's not, we've never taken any time. Oh, we took a little time off, I think, in May and June, but now it's like full mode. And again, del- development camp's coming up next week, so excited to do another episode with you. Well, I just recently I was looking at the traffic patterns on Mayor's Manor because traffic has been absolutely going through the roof since yeah. about – uh, well, maybe about 30, 45 days ago, breaking all kinds of records and whatnot. So I was looking at historical patterns, DB, and you can actually tell where we took a little bit of time off, where we slowed down right. on some number of episodes. It was kind of like late May, early June. The articles were light, yeah. the podcasts were light, and then it's been full tilt ever since then. So, yeah, I don't feel like the season is starting in a month from now, I feel like the season has already started. Well, I guess it would be two months from now, uh, but training camp's in a month from now. But it just feels to me like we're in midseason form already, Dennis. Absolutely, Jake. So let's get to episode 108. All right. So uh, we are coming to you today. Now, I do have a weather update because it is no longer 95 and, and sweltering here in Southern California. It is cooled off. And for the next couple of days, it's going to be kind of partly cloudy, TB. But we are still coming to you from the always beautiful Kings of the Podcast studios. And today, this is the Nathan Dempsey studio. And I am curious, DB, because I think this might fall kind of um, – in an in a early window for you that you might remember that name. Do you know the name Nathan Dempsey? Does it mean anything to you? He's a defenseman who wore number 10. Uh, well, that would have been a good guess. Uh, but he he is – did he wear number 10? That's actually a good thing. Yeah. You have to look that up. He did? Well, even more appropriate, so. though. That's not the reason that I mentioned him, though, although that would be certainly applicable because Kale Clegg is maneuvering himself to get into number 10. But, no, the reason really was even even more of a connection here. Nathan Dempsey, who is a former member of the L.A. Kings, and we'll get into that in just a second, he played with uh, the father of our guest today. Cale Clegg is coming on the program. He of the L.A. Kings prospect system. His dad uh, was a goaltender. Now, some people might not know that, but his father, yes, was a goaltender, Jason Clegg, in the WHL. He played for the Regina Pats, one of the real legendary franchises. And Jason even scored a goal while he was a goaltender uh, in the WHL. And so Jason was teammates with... He, of course, being uh, Nathan Dempsey. They were teammates in the WHL. So there you go, DB. That's a great connection, Jay. Yeah, well, it's, you know, we're always looking for connections. Uh, Dempsey's an interesting case, though, Dennis. He was drafted in the 11th round, a round that by far does not even <laughs> exist. I think a few weeks ago we had an eighth-round draft pick uh, as the we name did. of the studio. This is an 11th-round draft pick, long since forgotten about those, those uh, you know, that many rounds in the draft. Uh, round 11 in the 1992 NHL draft by the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
And uh, he spent some time in St. John's, their American Hockey League uh, organization, for a number of years. He did make his NHL debut with the Toronto Maple Leafs and played a couple of years there, then went to Chicago for two years and eventually found his way to Los Angeles uh, starting in the 03-04 season. But here's the interesting thing, DB. During the lockout, remember in the 04-05 season, there was the strike slash lockout, whatever you want to call it. And where did he go? Because he was a member of the Kings. He actually went overseas to play for the AEG-owned uh, ice bears uh, over there in uh, yep. Berlin. So he played for the Berlin or the polar bears. I think they were known at the time. Um, yes, correct. So he played over there and before coming back to the Kings in the 05, 06 season, he was, um, you know, long gone before Dean Lombardi took over in 2006. We did the general manager uh, debrief on the last program. He uh, finished up with the Boston Bruins on the NHL side of things, played a couple more years, uh, one in the American league and then overseas in the Swiss league. Only played about 260 games in the NHL. But Nathan Dempsey, some people like yourself, Dennis, they do remember him from his time in L.A. And, John, I can confirm he wore number 10 in L.A. Well, there you go. Well, I, I shame on me then. I did not look up what number he wore in L.A. I was just excited about the connection to Jason Clegg. I will tell you this, though, Dennis. It is interesting because uh, Kale, who will be coming on and joining us in the second period, he started out his hockey career early on for a very, very, very brief period of time as a goaltender following in the footsteps of his dad and realized very quickly uh, that he did not like goaltending. He didn't like being back there and being all alone. He wanted to be part of the action, so he gave up the goalie pads, moved out you know, further onto the ice and became a defenseman, I guess not straying too far from the defensive side of the game, if you will, and uh, he's, he's made his name. As a defenseman, and so that that's that. Uh, earlier on also, and I'm going to be asking him about this in the second period, Dennis, he played baseball, so hockey was not his only love. He was also a very successful baseball player, I guess won a couple of youth championships or something like that, and so uh, he has some baseball in his blood as well. Yeah, and then guys like Stoli, didn't, they, didn't he play baseball too? Wasn't he a big-time baseball player, I thought? Uh, yeah, didn't I, he didn't go to the Little League World Series, but maybe like the Canadian version of that or something, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yes, uh, Jared Stoll. Yes, he was. He was. We'll have to get into that. I forgot to ask Stoll about that when he came on the program recently. So maybe we'll get him on as a second time. It's going to be weird. Speaking of Stoll, uh, we'll talk about this in the third period. He's going to be one of the on ice coaches when the Kings do their. Um, Play the Kids Party is what I'm calling it. It's officially yeah. called, like, whatever. It has a really long name. The L.A. Kings Superstar Skills Competition for Prospects yeah. Open House or something. But at yes. the Play the Kids Party on 828, August 28th, um, <laughs> he's going to be one of the on-ice coaches. And from what I hear, he's going to be mic'd up so the crowd can sort of hear or interact with him. So that'll be interesting. Matt Green, Stoll, and uh, O'Donnell, I think, are the three guys. So um, is, is Matt about- Green's not going to be mic'd up because he won't really <laughs> say anything, right? Well, what he said was the beauty of being retired is he doesn't have to talk to the media anymore. I don't know if that I, – I, I, but he could just have an aversion to microphones in general. So maybe I, maybe I Matt so. Green will just kind of like wave to the crowd uh, while he's out there or whatever. Exactly. Who knows? Maybe Matt Green will be the coach on the bench or something. I'm not really sure. They haven't revealed sure. all the details. There still is a little bit of mystery surrounding it, DB, but uh, a, lot, a lot of names will be involved in that. We'll, and again, we'll get into that in the third period. Let's jump topics yeah. here a little bit because uh, numerology, and then we have Kale Clegg coming up. But before we do, the NHL breaking news item of the week, Dennis, is the fact that um, there are going to be ads on jerseys. Now, just before we get to that, I do want to mention also, not really breaking news, but there was a tweet earlier today. Uh, look, we all make mistakes, Dennis. You make mistakes. I make yes. mistakes. We all make mistakes. And we feel bad when people make mistakes, especially on a, on a, on a large platform like Twitter, and everybody sees those mistakes. Um, 
And the LA Kings have recently added a number of new individuals to the organization in uh, Ardvidsson and uh, Edler and, and Deneau and whatnot. Uh, the Blackhawks recently added somebody to the organization. Somebody received a lot of attention on Twitter in Marc-Andre Fleury. And a uh, little mistake by the Blackhawks earlier today, tweeting out a photo of his new jersey. Oh, Dennis, with the wrong spelling of yeah. his last name. Yeah, I, I kidded with Dave Pagnot. I said, hey, he's an unknown player. Honest mistake. Yeah, let's move on. So, I mean, yes, it's tough. It's tough tweeting that. And there's you can't really spell check a jersey, John. That's the problem. You can't run it through the editor and it comes up. Wrong E U U E. Yeah. So that's a problem. So yeah. And the problem with think, the internet, it was yeah. only I'm sure it was only up, Dennis. I imagine the tweet was oh, only yeah. up for a couple of minutes. But the problem is sure. that nothing gets by people these days. So you nope. put it on the internet and it's it's out there forever because yeah. they have screen grabbed it and of course it's you know, it's of all course. over the web at that point. And uh the poor social media person who had to, you know, scramble to delete that photo and then get another photo up. I, I, I'm just assuming that they have corrected it by the time that we're recording this, Dennis. But, John, the problem is it's a multiple error. It's it's the equipment person's error for spelling yeah. it wrong, right? Then it's yeah. the, the the social media person for tw- not knowing how to spell it and yeah. tweeting it. So it, it's a... It was a comedy of errors, and it is unfortunate, I agree, because, you know, every time he gives up eight goals in a game, um, they're going to tweet that jersey and say, oh, it wasn't more country flurry, it was more country flowery. <laughs> there so. you go. <laughs> that should be their new hashtag. It should <laughs> yeah, be. Exactly. Uh, you know what, though? In all honesty, I'm sure it's not the first time in his life that somebody spelled his name wrong, right? Yes. Correct. So, uh, I, I agree. Mean, That's a good point. Yeah, if you're Randy Jones, I think that you probably have never had to deal with your name being spelled incorrectly, I would just guess. But when you're Mark andre Fleury, uh, I'm sure that you've had all sorts of – even Kale Clegg. I mean, how many people have spelled his name wrong? It's with the K on the first name, K, C right. on the last name. I'm sure that's been you know mixed up a couple of times. But let's get to the really big news item there, which is the ads on the jerseys, Dennis. It's been a long time coming. Sure. It's been talked about for many years. Um, many speculated correctly, uh, us included, that that once the helmet ads went up on the helmets last year, um, that it was probably the gateway to getting the ads on the jerseys. Just where do you land on it? How are you reacting to what you've seen out there on social media in, in the days following this big announcement? Well, I think there's a bunch of fake outrage out there by people, uh, to be honest with you, John, because I'll give the example from an L.A. standpoint. Like You go to a game at Staples Center. You eat at the Lexus Club. Like there's a commercial. Well, some of us do, Dennis. Some of us eat at you know, okay. Salt and okay. Char. Uh, That's know, true. Whatever it is that replaced McDonald's. It's not a bad burger, John. I had it during the uh, when there were th- less than when there was nobody when there was a thousand people. Did the you home. get the so, Impossible one? The the Beyond Meat one. No, oh, no, it's no, actually no. pretty good. I have to admit. Okay, I tried right, it. No, I'll leave that for you. Okay. Uh, so you go to the Lexus Club. Mm-hmm. Um, there are ads on the ice on the boards. Like there, you are hit with advertising at every turn. So to to say that this is the line in the sand, this is not acceptable. And and you know, I mean, first of all, you're not going to stop going to games. You're not going to. If Quentin Byfield blows up this season, you're going to buy his jersey with a logo on it next season. And it's next season. It's 22-23. It's not even this season. So you have plenty of time, 18 months, to calm your nerves and not be worried about the little patch on it. And, you know, I, I look at other sports. I mean, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, and the Yankees have a Nike swoosh on it. So I, I think it's a, a lot of fake outrage. You're already 
inundated and you've assimilated advertising with sports because John, you have I talked about this. This is not a nonprofit. This is not a charity. This is this is business, and the league needs to make up the escrow of a billion dollars so we can start moving the salary cap around. So to me, it was just a bunch of fake art. Somebody called it like the jersey's a piece of art. It's not a piece of art. The, like you mentioned, as we talking off off mic, the Mona Lisa is a piece of art. If you put a patch on the Mona Lisa, I would get it. That would be wrong. <laughs> but to put a patch on a jersey, like when all the other major sports do it, like I, I'm sorry, I, I, like why are you outraged over that? So I think it's just uh, it's just overdoing. I, I think it's just a situation, John, where people like to complain. Well, not only that, DB, but also I think the size of it is important. I do understand yes. some of the concern. And they want to know where this is going, right? Because you look at some of the advertising on jerseys uh, of European teams and things like that, and it's, sure. it's to the point of being completely out of control, right? They look like a, a NASCAR pit crew team, and you don't want that in the National Hockey League. You don't want that in the NFL or the NBA or even you know Major League Baseball. But to your point, Major League Baseball, you already have the, uh, the Nike swoosh on the Dodger jersey. The Kings did have advertising on their jerseys back in the late 80s. We right. had talked about this, uh, I think, about six months or a year ago on the program. Many people forgot and don't remember, but Adidas did purchase advertising on Kings jerseys mm-hmm. on the backside of the jersey. And that was basically in response to Nike bought advertising on the Edmonton Oilers jerseys, which, again, many people uh, don't remember. But the thing is, this is a relatively small i mean i'm saying that because for some people yes. it's too it's too much but it's a relatively small patch that'll be on the jersey and you kind of have to think that we're a decade or several decades away from other patches on the jersey the league is very hypersensitive to what a sensitive issue this is for fans they're not looking to go the european model they're looking to grow the league and the revenues in other ways mm-hmm. so at least for me, Dennis, I'm not particularly worried that this becomes a gateway patch to, you know, seven patches on the jerseys over the next 10 years. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you, John. But I'll, again, and I, I know it's different in Europe, but, you know, not anymore. But I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, the, the actual league was the Barclays Premier League. So mm-hmm. at some point in time, if somebody's going to offer the NHL a billion dollars to put their name in front of the NHL, could that happen? It could. It, it, you know, John, it's a slippery slope, right? It's not going to go back. Like, we're not going to not have patches on the jerseys. And I think the I, I think that the key point here is that what happens when you get an Austin Matthews or a Quentin Byfield in the future, like, getting an uh, agreement with individuals, like, saying, okay, now I'm a sponsor. I want to wear, like, with, with skates, mm-hmm. right? And in essence, skates are free advertising, right? You're wearing that skate. So I think that... Could it get bigger? Could it get more? Yeah, I think so. And I think that fans are going to have to accept it and swallow it. But again, you know, you're you're hit with advertising at every turn, like every stoppage of play. You're like, and even the, the cool things like the vignettes, like drawing with Drew, that's sponsored by Coke. It's not just a, a there for your entertainment. It's to push you to go to the stands to buy more Coke. Mm-hmm. So that's, to me, I, I just think that it's, it's it, it's already assimilated into this into professional sports, and it it pushes professional sports. It's that that's part of the reason the salary caps at eighty one million and probably going to go up at some point in time. So again, I think it's just a I, I understand a little bit, but to me, it like it's saying like wow, like you're hit with like John, you and I are old enough to remember no advertising on boards, mm-hmm. right? There was no sure. advertising on boards. We go back to the seventies and eighties, no advertising there. So again, 
I think it's it's going to be part of it, and it's and I think the patches are going to get bigger and probably more numerous in different parts of the jersey or different parts of the kit, as we want to call it. So I think it's going to continue and get bigger over time. Well, uh, just to clarify there, no, I've seen pictures and video of no advertising on the boards, but no, from my very first game <laughs> on, there were the, L.A. Gear, I think, was the big advertising. So that'll give you some yeah. perspective on the uh, the early 90s there at the forum, of course. Uh, Coca-Cola was usually a big sponsor in Toyota as well. has been a long-time corporate sponsor for the LA Kings. Um, yeah, I don't know, Dennis. It's just, uh, look, I think I could almost use your point, though, as the counter-argument, which is, yeah, man, there's enough advertising all over the place. Can you please leave it off the jerseys? Because it's everywhere else. Can you just leave one one thing about the game, you know, advertisement-free? Because as as a fan, you've seen additional ads being placed on the ice over the last mm-hmm. couple of years in the corner. Okay. Now even the network that you watch the team on, which of course that's not, that's nothing to do with the team. The team, the team didn't decide to call the network Bally's network. That's of course the, right. the rights holder. But I mean, I'm just saying as a fan, you just see all the advertising, like you mentioned, even the network that you watch the game on is called that. But um, so, you know, so do you really need it on the Jersey as well? Look, the point is you're right. Coming out of a pandemic, I think it opened up the door to all sorts of things. And, uh, the Barkley Premier League, it's not just there. I mean, you look at some of the auto racing leagues in America, right? NASCAR is always brought to you by something. It was the Winston Cup forever, sure. and that's moved right. on to something, a sprint, and then whatever it is now. And sure. uh, the NHRA, uh, you know, drag racing, they've had uh, corporate sponsors forever as well. They, of course, had Winston at one time, and they've had Mellow Yellow, and now I think it's Camping World. So right. corporate sponsorship is just part of pro sports because it is not a charity, like you said. It is a business. They are trying to drive revenue, and um, it, it is just a reality, and I would just say this. When it comes to putting the ads on the jerseys, let's at least – this is maybe what I'm requesting. Let's at least maybe just hold uh, the outrage until maybe people see what it looks like. And, Dennis, I can even right. tell you, though, I've kind of seen what it looks like on a Kings jersey because they had the M the you know for McDonald's on the practice yeah. jersey. Practice jerseys, and, sure. And all, many, if not all, the teams had the, – the practice jerseys had sponsors. So – Pick your favorite team. I'm sure the Blackhawks had a sponsor. I know the Maple Leafs did. Just look at the practice jersey, and that's what the that's what the patch is going to look like. And you know, you'll probably get over it pretty quick quickly if uh, if it's something that's bothering you today. Yeah, it's not going to infringe upon your enjoyment of watching the game or viewing the game. I I don't get. It. I mean, what is it? Oh, that 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 logo is blinding my eyes. I can't, I got to turn the game off. It's, to me, it's like that's what I tell people. I'm like, what are you going to do? Not watch the games? Not come? Not buy a jersey? You've, you know, like I said, Byfield scores 50 in two seasons, and there's a, I don't know what patch is on, a Coca-Cola patch on the jersey. No, I can't do that, John. It, it, mm-hmm. It's ruined the jersey for me. It's not going to ruin your experience. It's going to help enhance revenue. So I totally get it. Look, I get it. You, you don't want to overdo it. But, you know, maybe a long time from now when we're not around anymore, it may, it may be very, very different. But, again, it, it, it's not going to go backwards, John. And I think that's my other point. Yeah, I want to see uh, Monster Energy as one of the sponsors and McDonald's so it can be a game of dueling M's, right? Uh, those are the two <laughs> corporate logos. Uh, I, I don't know who else. I, I don't know. I, I guess we could figure out. For the Kings, I mean, you have to think that it's probably going to either be Staples or Toyota or one of their other longtime sure. you know, major corporate sponsors, or perhaps they bring somebody new in altogether. So it'll be interesting yeah. and it'll be intriguing. Um, they already tried naming the divisions after uh, you know corporate sponsorship <laughs> or having that on board, and we all survived, Dennis, in 2021 with the naming of the – I don't even remember what it was, to be honest with you. What, uh, one of them was – Mass Mutual, but that wasn't the Pacific. Yeah. What was the or the Honda? Western? 
Was it the Honda Western Conference? I think I think it was Honda. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we all lived. We all survived. We lived. We we, uh, we will transition here, Dennis. Let's get into numerology. Um, I want to share something about numerology that was brought up by the Kingstorian on uh, Twitter the other day because uh, we're always talking about numbers on here, and I thought this was pretty interesting. So he was talking about Jeff Giuliano, who was a former king for a very very brief period of time. Uh, but he wore number 29 with the L.A. Kings. And some people, longtime Jonathan Quick fans, will remember that Quickie wore 29 in college, and he wore 29 coming up through the minor league system. When he came to the Kings, Giuliano was the one who blocked him from uh, getting number 29, right, as a rookie. So he took on number 32. Mm-hmm. He kept 32 even after Giuliano left. So you just have to wonder, though. Right. How that one player blocked everything from happening. And I think it's relevant to the story today that we're going to get into with Kel Clegg, because we in Los Angeles associate Jonathan Quick with the number 32. Like it's synonymous. Sure. And it's the number that's going to go to the rafters. But it could have been completely different. It could have been quick 29 like it was in Manchester, like it was in college. It could be quick 29 going to the rafters someday had it not been for one person, Jeff Giuliano. And apparently, I mean, heck, we talked to Phil Deneau in the last episode and. He uh, he gave out a, he gave out a Rolex to uh, to Leah Anderson to get his number. I'm assuming that Quickie didn't have the means at that particular time to hand out a Rolex <laughs> to, to Jeff Julian. Maybe he gave him a swatch or a, uh, or, a, or, a or, or a Casio or a Timex. Didn't work though. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Exactly. Okay, so I'm going to make this as brief as possible, Dennis, because I could do a 20-minute episode on numerology related to Kale Clegg. It ties into many other episodes that we've done in the past as well because basically Kale Clegg let me know very early on uh, in his in his time as a prospect with the L.A. Kings that he, he had a strong preference to get to number 10, and it's been a series of dominoes to try to get him to number 10, and part of that was because he had been assigned number 34, which was not only really a number that he didn't want, but it also became a problem because once uh, Arthur Kaliev entered into the equation, uh, Kaliev wanted number 34. So they've done some maneuvering over the last couple of years, and they were able to get um, they were able to get Clay, excuse me, they were able to get 34 off of Clegg and make that available for Arthur Kaliev. So, so Artie was really excited. Uh, but Clegg's backup number was 51. And so when they moved Clegg out of uh, 34, I thought, oh, they'll just park him in 51 temporarily because that was his second number. They couldn't get Clegg at the time. This is the beginning of 2021. They couldn't get him to number 10, Dennis, because Michael Amadio had number 10 at that time. Uh, and so you kind of thought, okay, well, that's a placeholder. Whatever number they give Clegg is going to be a placeholder to get him eventually to number 10, knowing that Michael Amadio at that point probably wasn't long for the LA Kings, which he wasn't, but they had to give Clegg a number. So what did they give him? They ended up, instead of giving him 51, they gave him 58, which was also interesting because only one other player in LA Kings history, uh, Derek Becker had worn that back in 2003. Now, People that follow me on Twitter probably remember I contacted Becker at the time when Clegg was given that number and just wanted to talk a little bit about it. And he was very appreciative of even being remembered. And he shared a picture of his um, not his living room, his his um, his family room Damn. at his house Damn. where he had a uh, he played in, in the Gretzky retirement game. And he had a photo of the Gretzky uh, jersey right next to his jersey. So he was really excited about having that jersey and uh, being a member of the LA Kings, very brief NHL career. He was the only other player to wear 58. Clegg wore 58 last year. Um, But now you have to wonder if Clegg's going to have an opportunity to move into number 10, being that Michael Amadio is gone. So here's the quick 
numerology on number 10. We're kind of putting the cart in front of the horse because he hasn't officially been assigned 10, but I didn't feel right doing a numerology on 58, I guess, even <laughs> though we just did. Uh, because to me, Kale Clegg is not number 58. It's just a placeholder. So right. uh, when it comes to number 10, this was something we talked about on a previous episode where 32 players tied for the most in LA Kings history, 32 players have worn number 10. A number of different guys have stopped by through the LA Kings history, including uh, Mike Allison, Warren Reichel. Of course, people remember him. Neil Bratton wore that number for a very brief period of time. Uh, Don McLean, Donald Audette, uh, Matthew Schneider, Wore that. Uh, speaking of defensemen wearing that, you did mention Nathan Dempsey. He was on there, DB, so uh, you were correct in that. Alan McCauley, who went on to become a scout. Braden Shen, who was traded uh, in the Mike Richards deal. Braden Shen was the number one rated Kings prospect at one time. Marco Sturm, who now stands behind the bench in L.A. Um, the aforementioned Mike Richards. Christian Erhoff, who was here briefly, also played in the uh, that famous World Cup in 2016 in Toronto. He played for Team Europe, if I remember correctly, with, uh, with Kopitar. Christopher Stieg. I always wonder why it didn't work out in L.A. Something about Daryl and, and, and Chris Versteeg. Uh, you would have expected more offense out of Versteeg. He was only here for a very brief period of time. Uh, Devin Setaguchi, DB, we could do a whole episode on how in the world Devin Setaguchi ever made the starting lineup. Coming in on a PTO. So there you go, fans. When, when, when I'm putting out articles about camp invitees and guys on PTOs and you're wondering why am I paying attention to those guys, because every once in a while, one of them pops, and certainly Devin Setaguchi did that. Nobody, myself included, nobody expected him to get a contract from the LA Kings coming out of training camp, let alone make the starting lineup. But he did in 2017, brief period of time. Devin Saitaguchi, former Sharks uh, forward, wore number 10 in Los Angeles. Toby Reeder uh, came over from the Coyotes and he wore it briefly. And then, of course, Michael Amadio, who we talked about there, DB. So you, we just were left wondering going into this next season, <laughs> will Kale Clegg establish himself as an NHL player? And if so, will he be transitioning from 58? To number 10, Dennis. I would think so, John. 58 is not a hockey number. Let's go. Number 10 is the, is the one. And, and he has the Nathan Dempsey legacy to live up with. So, yeah. <laughs> well, he's, DB, I would just feel so bad for him if he never was able to wear that number 10 in Los Angeles. Um, because right. he's, he's angled for it. He secretly has hoped for it and wished <laughs> for it. And here's something else people might not know. Uh, you can go back and dig this up if you want. Kale Clegg was an L.A. Kings fan before he was drafted by the L.A. Kings. Um, in 2013, 2014, people were already interviewing him in the WHL, asking him who his favorite team was. This is a couple years before he was drafted. And Drew Doughty was his favorite player. He loved watching him play. The Kings were his team. His backup team allegedly was the Blackhawks, and maybe that was just him being a little bit of a front runner at that point because along with the Kings, the other big team, you know, powerhouse team at the time, Dennis, was the Blackhawks. Uh, but there's a quote out there. I, maybe I should dig it up, and I always found it kind of funny. He said something to the effect of, I've tried to cheer for the Oilers because they're, uh, you know, they're the closest NHL team to where I grew up or whatever. I've tried to cheer for them, but they haven't been good for so long. <laughs> and I just, wow, way to, way to bury the team. <laughs> maybe that's totally why buried. Maybe that's why they overlooked him in the draft. Who knows? Um, Possibly. You know, <laughs> sour grapes, right, Dennis? Some people hold no on. No hard right feelings, Sean. No, far, no hard feelings. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if the scouts from the Edmonton Oilers um, had that quote. And when they did the combine interviews, you know, you know they love to ask all the weird questions, right? If, if oh, you were yeah, trapped in, the, in a forest with a pencil and chewing gum, how would you get out? Uh, I, wonder, <laughs> exactly. I wonder if one of the questions was, Kill, we'd like to talk to you about this quote from 2014, <laughs> where you said we haven't been very good uh, for very long. So 
Anyway, yeah. uh, that's your numerology segment for today, Dennis. Let's uh, take a quick break. We'll get to the other side. We have Kale Clegg standing by. He of the LA Kings prospect pool. We'll get to know Kale a little bit better and uh, hopefully share some good stories. And we'll be back in the third period, Dennis, to talk more LA Kings talk. Welcome back. Second period. We are joined now by LA Kings prospect defenseman, former second round pick by the team. Uh, he's had a cup of coffee with the LA Kings, played with the Ontario Reign. People know him at this point, Kale Clegg. Clegger, how are you? I'm well, I'm well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Looking forward to this. It's kind of a little bit of a word salad there for uh, an introduction on, on you, right? I wasn't really sure where to go with that. Was that okay? Did that work for you? That was perfect. That was more than okay. <laughs> all right, good. Uh, now, let's see. Let's try to... We're going to hop all around here and, and try to catch up. It's been a while because I'm used to seeing you back when you were with the rain and you guys were playing out of Ontario. At least I would see you fairly frequently. But um, right. it just feels so disconnected because you guys have been hunkered down in quarantine here for the better part of 18 months. So let's try to recap a little bit here. Last yep, summer... Yep. If I understand things or remember correctly, uh, the highlight of your summer might have been that you went to a party where everybody bought wine in a, in a paper bag or something like that. And um, I think Austin Strand was the big winner. That was the story Martin Furk was telling us. Does it, is this ringing a bell to you? Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, Rain Captain Brett Sutter, um, he just invited, because there's so many Calgary guys within the Kings organization, he just uh, invited a few of us over to his place and kind of had a little, uh, little wine night. It was pretty fun. It was good to see all those guys. Yeah, wine in a paper bag because nobody's supposed to know, right? And then you're supposed to, like, at the yeah. end of the night, predict, which, not predict, but, uh, like, tell everybody which one was better or, or which one tasted like the other or something like that. So did you, are you yeah. a wine connoisseur? Yeah. How do you go about picking the wine that goes in your paper bag? I'm not at all a wine connoisseur, but, um, yeah, no, that night, all the wines, so each person bought a wine, left it in the brown bag, um, and then you just kind of go and you'd taste, each each wine that each guy brought um and then you just kind of uh you would just rate them i guess from one to i don't know i can't remember how many <laughs> how many bottles of wine there was but you just kind of uh you rate them and yeah that's kind of how i went down and yeah like you said stranger is the winner so yeah um now you know i don't know if you know this or not but jim fox is a wine connoisseur he actually has his own wine company so did, did anybody ever think to hit up foxy and get like uh a couple bottles of pinot I did know actually that that he he has his own his own wine, and it's funny to say that I do have a bottle of his wine. I don't know how or where it came from, but I do have a bottle of his wine um, here in Arizona where I've been staying. I have yet to try it, but I I honestly can't tell you how how I have it. I forget. All right, so we're recording this in mid August. Training camp's going to open up in about a month from now. So you have about a month to open up the uh -huh. wine and to taste it because now I already have my first question when I see you at training camp. I want to know how. Okay, well, I'll be, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be sure to I'll be sure to give it a go. I've actually been meaning to meaning to try it out. So all right, well there you go. Um, now it's funny you you teed up my next question perfectly because after talking about last summer, I wanted to talk about this summer. And from what I understand, you've been in Arizona. Uh, tell us about what you're doing there, why you're there, and also. 
from what I understand, not only have you been training there recently, but you attended um, a Diamondbacks game. We'll get to that in a minute. But what, what, why are you in Arizona? Yeah. What's going on? It's, it's a long way from Calgary. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm in Arizona. My girlfriend's family, they have a property out here. And uh, kind of when we were deciding on whether we should go back to Calgary or not, Calgary was still pretty shut down um, with all the restrictions and even get into Calgary with the, the two-week quarantine and stuff. So we actually just decided to, uh, our lease was until the end of June. So we just decided to stay in our lease in LA until around the end of, end of June. And then instead of going back to Calgary and having to worry about all the restrictions and the, the, uh, the two week quarantine, we just said, um, you know, it's a short drive to Arizona. So mm-hmm. we, uh, we just packed our stuff, came here. We're staying at her family's place. Um, it's so hot. It's insane. <laughs> but, uh, but no, the training's been good. I've been skating with, uh, you know, like Matthews and Keller and those types of guys. So that's been really cool to get on the ice with them and, um, you know, go against those types of players. Sure. Yeah. Just just dropping a couple names in there from some, you know, halfway decent NHL players there. Yeah. Just no big deal. Yeah. Just, just kind of training a little bit with Austin Matthews. Not that bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's been it's been good. I've known him for a little while because we were both the CA um, when we were really young. So we would actually come out to, uh, Toyota, as weird as that is, we'd come out to Toyota each summer from when I was maybe 13 to 17. Each summer I'd come out to LA uh, for two weeks and CAA would put on this camp. I think they still do it. Yeah. Um, now, out of Toyota. Now, wait a minute. That's wait a minute. How have you never told me this story before? So you were coming to Toyota all those years. I, I, I know about the CAA camp. I guess I just never put two yeah. and two together, but you, I don't remember you bringing this up before. So it's very comfortable yeah. for you at CAA. You've been going there for a long, I mean, at, uh, at Toyota because you've been going there for a long time. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, as soon as I was dropped by LA, it was super weird just because I, I had been to the facility. I haven't, I didn't go through the Kings, uh, like area, mm-hmm. um, when I was coming down, I don't think. Not that I can remember. At no, least, they but, put they put you in the other locker rooms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, no, it was really cool. Like, I remember my one of my first camps. It was with like Nate McKinnon and Jones and uh, like Barzell was there. Joe Stabro. I mean, the list goes on. But uh, no, the Toyota. Yeah, that was really familiar with the practice facility. There you go. Now I know some of the guys enjoy the uh, the food places around the corner, and others seem to struggle. I like to go to Big Mike's, which is a little bit closer to the beach. It's still only like a mile from from Hel- or, uh, yeah. Toyota Sports Center, but do do you, do you prefer to go to like the Habit and and Chipotle and that whole little corner, or do you venture out a little bit further? Yeah, actually, during all that time, we would always go to Chipotle, and of course, <laughs> I I've eaten so much Chipotle, but I actually am so sick of it now just because of all those years <laughs> of just going there and eating it like four or five times a week. Yeah, and. Uh, I don't even, I honestly, I can't remember the last time I had Chipotle over a year for sure. Yeah. That's, uh, Turcotte tries to say the same thing, but I just don't believe it. I think, I think he's trying to distance himself since they won't sponsor him. And there might be a little bit of jealousy <laughs> because Zegras had the, you know, he had the Zegras bowl right. and they haven't had the Turcotte bowl yet. But I think yeah, secretly, yeah, I think Turk still so. hits up Chipotle probably two or three times a week. That's my, that's my belief. That would be a safe bet, I feel. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> now let's get back to the speaking of Arizona. Let, let, let's hone in on this a little bit. Uh, you went to a Diamondbacks game, or at least you went to at least one, maybe multiple games. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I've only been to one. Okay. Um, the Cubs were in town, and uh, I mean, they, uh, this is before they blew up their team. So that you know, they obviously had a lot of pretty big name players in that team. So I just wanted to go and see and check out the stadium. It was pretty cool how it's all enclosed because it's so hot. Mm-hmm. And, 
Yeah, it, was, it wasn't the best game, but it was still cool to go see. I'm actually thinking about going to another one this week. I've always wanted to watch Bryce Harper live when they're in town. So okay, yeah, that would be. Um, you should go. You should go do that. Um, I, now yeah. I've been to about. I don't know about you. I've been to about 20 different major league ballparks, and in oh, terms wow. of ranking them. Arizona yeah. for me ranks like really dead last. It it is like watching baseball yeah. in the mall. It is, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. it's yeah. a mass. I mean, I've been to other indoor buildings, you know, uh, yeah, but yeah. it is just a massive, massive place, and it doesn't have the yeah. baseball atmosphere that I enjoy. Do you do you like no, it there? Yeah, no. It's, I mean, yeah, like you said. I, I mean, I've been to a few. Um, I think I've been to well, I've been to the Dodgers, um, Angels. Uh, Wrigley Field, the Cubs, um, Texas Rangers. But, I mean, I've been to a few, and I would agree. Like, it's not – it doesn't come close to those parks. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was a little different just how it was enclosed. But, yeah, there's not much atmosphere. And and on top of that, the game I was at, it was, wasn't a great game. So, well, that it makes could sense. get a little boring, but it was still good to see. Yeah. I still that, enjoyed seeing uh, some of those big-name guys sure. on the Cubs. Well, baseball but, is a fun thing. It's different than hockey, yeah. right? Hockey, you're, like, on yeah. the edge of your seat the whole time. Baseball is one of those things, it's enjoyable. It's relaxing. You go there, you sit back, you have a beer, some peanuts, and you just kind of yeah. let things unfold for a couple hours. You have a good time. But, hey, here's the real yeah. deal and reason I wanted to bring up baseball, um, besides your opinion of ballparks. I have a bone yeah. to pick with you. I have seen a few pictures floating around of you in a Yankees hat, which – now, that is enough to get you banned from Mayor's Manor for a couple of days. Drew Doughty was the original <laughs> player that was banned. We actually had to have T-shirts made that said, I was banned from Mayor's Manor for two days. We used to hand out two-day <laughs> bans. He would try to wear a Blue Jays hat, but he wasn't a Blue Jays fan. I caught him on video, right. asked him some questions, and he didn't, he didn't come up with the answers. So uh, I, I, I highly doubt his fandom to the Blue Jays. But what's up with the Yankees hat? You need to be wearing a Dodger hat. This is, this is disturbing to me. What's the story? I mean, there's no real story. It's just a classic hat. I like the color. It's, you know, it's clean. It goes with everything. I don't know. I just like the. I like the hat. That's that's kind of all I have for you. But I would agree with you. I do need to get a Dodgers hat. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Okay, just, so you have now have two. Th- you have a month. You have two things on your list of to dos for the next month. You need to test out the wine, and you need to get a Dodger hat. Okay. We're going to go over this again in, uh, next month when you show up in town. Perfect. I might show up to the rank first day in a Dodgers hat. Sick. You wouldn't yeah. be the first one that I've converted, so that would be good. Uh, yeah. Let's yeah. <laughs> see. I, I like when the prospects, and obviously you're a few years away from being, you know, one of the younger prospects, but I like it when the really young prospects show up to camp and they're already wearing a Dodger hat. That means that somebody got to them early and told them, hey, yeah. you, you, you need to get the Dodger hat or mayor's going to get after you. So those guys typically, they, you know, they start out on a good footing with me. So uh, we're going to, we'll give you a month. You have one month okay. to get it together. Um, let's talk, let's talk hockey, uh, bring us up to speed on kind of the past year or so. I mean, there's so many different things to talk about, but why don't we just briefly start with the 2020 pandemic year? You're away from hockey. It had to be weird when you think back on it now. Um, what, what was, you know, the final six or eight months of 2020 like for you just being away from hockey and not knowing when or if it's ever going to get going again? Yeah. I mean, that, that part of it was really weird. Um, I think we did talk at one point throughout that summer and just how long it was, but yeah. also just trying to find the positive in, uh, in having that much time to train and uh, get stronger in which I think I did. Um, like physically I felt much more stronger and, uh, much more mature. So I think that part of it was a real positive, but, um, yeah, I mean, just not getting the touches and the reps, um, you know, with gameplay and even just practices throughout the season, it was really weird once you got back and we were back into it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then definitely early on in the season, it just felt it was weird to be back in the game, like a real game. So yeah. um, I think overall, overall, it was a it was a weird year. I don't think there's a guy that would say would say it wasn't a weird year. But um, I was just really, I mean, for all of us uh, speaking for everyone, I'm sure um, everyone was probably just pretty like pretty happy to that we we even had the chance to play at yeah. all. So. I, I've um, often said that your your career to me has felt so much of like a constant start and stop. Like every time we think something's going to happen, it, it doesn't, and then it does. And you know, with the, right. the broken foot and the whole thing, and it's just like to yeah. me, the, the, for you, the pandemic was just like yet another thing because you, when, right. you, when you came back to camp or when things got going again in 2021 of January, it was a little bit yeah. of a restart as well because um, you you now have Robo there who's going to be the new coach in Ontario. It's just like yet another sort of hurdle, I guess, uh, or speed right. bump for you to sort of overcome. What was training camp like when you look back and think on it now? You're trying to impress Todd on one hand and try to earn a spot with the Kings, and you're trying to develop chemistry or get to know a coach with Ontario on the other hand, and what was that like? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, training camp last year, my only mindset was, you know, going in and trying to impress um, impress the staff and management. Um, so, but I mean, looking back on it, I think I did have a really good training camp. Um I thought I I played well. I thought I moved the puck well. I was skating well, um, and then you know I I didn't start in the lineup at the start of the season if I can remember right. And then um, some guys got hurt, and that's kind of where I got my opportunity and got to string a few games together there. So but yeah, I mean looking back on camp, I I thought I had a great camp, and um, you know looking ahead to this year, I I want to do the same, and you know I want to uh, I want to just continue to impress and um, you know see what I can do, show them what I can do. Yeah, you, you. one thing that's always been impressive about you, from my perspective, is that you try to find those positives. You referenced it a few minutes ago, but you do try to find positives, even in disappointing or weird situations. And I, I'll just say, from my perspective, I thought you were going to play more games. If you would have asked me yeah. in January of 2021, how many games would you play? I was expecting you to play more than you did. I'm sure you're right. disappointed by that. So how do you take the positive yeah. from that and turn the page and just be like, hey, whatever, that was last year, I'm looking ahead and not not get frustrated about or not carry that frustration with you or do you? Is it a chip on your shoulder at this point? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I would, I would agree with you. It's, it's definitely frustrating. Um, and like you said, it is, is going to be a chip on my shoulder heading into this year and this training camp. And um, it's just getting that much more intense. Um, yeah, like you said, it is, it is frustrating. Um, but I'm going to do everything I can um, to show management and staff that, you know, I am ready to be a full-time guy and, um, you know, be in the lineup every night. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the season to, to get going. I'm excited for training camp to open up. I think we're just over a month away. So, um, you know, good amount of time to really put some work in and, um, you know, be ready to go when the, when the gates open. Yeah. As we reflect here a little bit, obviously there was a difference between Robo and Stutz too, and they're two entirely different coaches and their styles and everything like that. We've talked about Stutz a lot through the years. Um, what about Robo? Like, what, what was it like getting to know him this year and have him as your coach? And do you feel that you guys were ever able to get into a rhythm or you guys are, it's still maybe a, maybe a work in progress? Yeah, I mean, it was a small sample, sample size um, from what he got to see of me. And, and just, you know, me being around him, it wasn't that, I guess, that long of a period to, yeah. to, really, to really get to know him. Um, but he, uh, you know, he was great. He was great for the group and great for, um, you know, all the young guys, he's, you know, he tries to bring, bring out the confidence and the best in everyone. And, um, you know, he's always making sure guys are doing well and, 
you know, on and off the ice. And, um, you know, all the young guys, you know, they play with a lot of confidence and he encourages that, which is really important in my opinion. Well, he's not doing that good of a job of keeping an eye on people because uh, not only are you wearing the Yankees hat, I've noticed that Dursey was wearing it, which means you're corrupting Dursey. So <laughs> Robo needs to he's stop sleeping on this. Now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about the number thing? You and I have talked about no- numerology so many times through the years. I feel like you're so close. You're so close to getting yeah. number 10. Michael Amadio has finally gone, right? You you gave up the number to make room for Artie and the whole merry-go-round of numbers thing. It's so close. Number 10 yeah. is there for the taking. I know. I know. Um, I mean, yeah, 10 is my number. You know that. Um I mean, there was no real reason I picked 58 last year just based on the fact that there wasn't really many other options. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went with that. But, yeah, I know. I just want to earn my spot, you know, in camp. And, um, you know, after that happens, then, then we can talk talk about potentially switching to 10. All right. So as of now, if I'm reading the tea leaves here correctly, as of now, you're going to come into camp in 58. And if you earn a spot, then you're going to lobby for 10. Well, if Green is feeling generous and he's listening to this, maybe he would, maybe he would do it. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bug him okay. bug him with it. Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the expansion draft because it was such a pivotal point in your career. Um, you weren't protected, and I'm just curious. You had to have known. I'm, I'm assuming. I'm guessing uh, that you you know you had to have known that you weren't going to be uh, protected. It somebody somewhere along the way. I'm guessing. I don't know. Somebody from management had to have talked to you or talked to your agent. What were the feelings leading up to the event, and or what were your feelings immediately after the event? Was it relief? Was it excitement? Was maybe it was even disappointment? Maybe you would you know in your mind just said, hey, uh, you know, I'm I'm open to going to a new team and getting a fresh opportunity. What what were the emotions leading into the event, and then? Uh, after the event, how did you feel? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, it was definitely a weird thing to live through. Um, but, you know, yeah, like you said, I, I did know. Um, uh, Blakey reached out to me and just kind of said, you're, you're not going to be protected. And um, I think it was maybe like a week before, or a few days before. But mm-hmm. I mean, I knew, I knew before that as well. Yeah. Um, just instinct. But, but yeah, I mean, it was weird. Um, you know, I was thinking about the possibility of potentially being picked up and, um, you know, it, it would enter my, my mind a lot. And I didn't really know how to feel, to be honest with you. Um, the one side, it was, yeah, maybe a fresh start. But then also, you know, I want to be an L.A. King so bad. So, um, yeah, it was relief. Uh, you know, I, you know it's, uh, it was weird, like I said. But, um, you know, I was really happy that I could um, stay a king and get re-signed. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what this year brings and, and moving forward. How did you find out that you weren't selected? Because you're right. It's this weird thing to live through. Okay, I'm not protected. Now I have to sit around and wait for Seattle to take right. somebody. How did you find out that they took McDermott and that you were not selected? I think I found out through my agent, actually. I think he just told me that, uh, that well, he, he wasn't for sure on it, but he said, I'm pretty sure um, I've heard that they're taking McDermott. And so I just, you know, I didn't really think too much of it. I just, you know, went along with that. And then, you know, as, pick for getting like leaks and stuff um you know in that that morning of or whatever it was then i did end up seeing that yeah sure enough they were going to take him and yeah i mean i didn't really think too much of it after that yeah it was uh it was it was all good that wednesday night uh after the picks came out that wednesday night was that the best night's sleep that you had had in quite some time yeah i mean it was just i mean it was just a just a 
relief. You know, you're not thinking about it, wondering what's going to happen and right. who's going to be picked. And, you know, because I mean, that did, I, I was thinking about it a lot. So. Sure. Well, I mean, uh, it'd be hard not to think about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, when, I mean, once that was over with, it was, you know, you could kind of get, get focused on, you know, going back to LA and, and, uh, getting, you know, I was really excited about that, obviously. Now, you mentioned earlier the new contract and also that you were previously with CAA. So you had changed agents uh, within the last year, if I remember correctly. You get the new contract as an RFA, but there was this weird sort of thing that happened. I don't even know if you're aware of it, but the LA Kings tweeted out that you had signed a two-year deal, which was immediately retracted, and it was a one-year deal. Did you even know that that had happened, or you're not even aware of it? You just heard about it now for the first time. Yeah, no, I was aware of it, but um, only because they made another post saying that it was like that they had made a mistake or I can't remember exactly how it went down, but, and then I also actually got a few texts from a few guys that I, <laughs> that I know a couple of friends asking like, did you send a two year deal or one year? Right. So I, I didn't know that they accidentally mistake that with a two year. Did you start questioning yourself? Did you text your agent? Hey, did I sign a one year yeah. deal or a two year deal? What, what am I doing here? Yeah, yeah no, no, I, I knew, but yeah, no, that's funny that that happened. I mean, those mistakes will happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, you're looking ahead to camp. Uh, we have prospects camp coming up here in Los Angeles in another week or so, which is something you've, not prospects camp, excuse me, development camp. They're calling it something different. I think it's conditioning camp, whatever it is. The bottom line is it's development camp. Um, you you won't be there this year, but you've participated uh, earlier. Uh, then you have rookie have. camp coming up. There's the rookie uh, face-off, which will be going on in Arizona. You won't be part of that. But then um, training camp opens around the 22nd of September. When, besides the homework that I've given you, um, when you think ahead to, to training camp and being ready and like, where's your head at? Like, what are you, what are you looking to show? Or, uh, I guess that's really it. What are you looking to show this time around that maybe you haven't shown in the past? Um, I, you know, I just want to continue to build off, um, my defensive play. I want to make sure that, you know, that's where it needs to be. And, um, you know, one of my goals is to, I mean, it's a, I guess it could be could sound weird, but one of my goals is just to get more takeaways and more plays, um, you know, in the D zone, you know, to create chances to go the other way. And that's kind of a big thing that I'm going to focus on and uh, picking my spots better, you know, when I join the rush and you know, off the offensive blue line, that sort of thing, reading the play, um, just knowing when to join, when to hold back. Um, and yeah, I mean, just creating plays, creating offense. Um, you know, sometimes I, over the last few years, I'd forget, you know, what got me um, chosen by LA in 2016. And, um, and that was like offensive instinct. So, um, you know, I want to show a little more offense that I've shown and, um, you know, make things happen all the time. Yeah, your calling card was certainly as an offensive-minded player. Now, at the NHL level, uh, you haven't, you don't have your first goal yet, if I remember correctly, but you did uh, pick up your first NHL point this year. Did you, yeah. did you get the puck? Did you keep anything? Uh, or, or no, you're, you're not there yet. No, I didn't. I don't, I don't think I can't, can't quite remember, but yeah, I don't think I kept the puck. I think, uh, wait when I score my first goal. All right. Be the time to keep it. All right. So Clager, you've been great. Really appreciate your time today. It's, we've had a lot of fun, but before I let you go, I need to ask you a Twitter related question, uh, because I'm not able to tag you in photos. So let me sort of explain the story. So I was trying to hype your um, your appearance here on the program on Twitter, and I was trying to tweet out, hey, coming soon, Kale Clegg is going to be on Kings of the Podcast. And I couldn't yeah. tag you, uh, which those sorts of things always make me laugh because there's usually some sort of a great story there. If you have blocked people from the ability to tag you with the photo, 
What's the what's the story? Fill me in. Somebody must have done something weird that you didn't like at one point, and you were like, "Look, I'm just not going to let these knuckleheads tag me in photos anymore." So, oh, I, I honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually pulling on my Twitter as we speak to see like what. Okay, I, I didn't even know that's a thing. Yes, I'll, 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 I'll get back to you on that one. I, okay. I have no idea. <laughs> it's, your, it's your third homework. See, you thought you were coming on for a real, you know, casual, fun conversation, and you're walking away with all these homework assignments. Uh, yeah, good thing you have a month left to get to it. All right, so you're going to work on that. Uh, we're going to work on more Kings of the Podcast. We have uh, several yeah. other episodes to go before the season starts, but I appreciate you jumping in here, taking some time to to catch up, and uh, look Absolutely. forward to seeing to you. Look forward to seeing you. I guess in about a month from now at Toyota Sports Performance Center. Yeah, no, absolutely. I appreciate you uh, reaching out and having me on, and we'll be seeing you really soon. Looking really forward to it. All right, enjoy that Diamondbacks game later this week. Okay. Will do. Thank you. All right, there you go, Kale Clegg. We will talk more about him and more about the LA Kings right after the break. To the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. Welcome back, third period Kings of the Podcast, and uh, Dennis. Thanks to Kel Clegg for coming on. I'm a little disappointed mm-hmm. that he's going the fashion route with his New York Yankees hat, but uh, he, you know, a, a, as you heard, he's promised he has 30 days to get it together. So gave him. I think he's the yes. first guest we've ever given three homework assignments to. I, if I remember correctly, there's been a guest here or there that I've given one homework assignment to, but he has three homework assignments, including tasting the wine from Jim Fox and uh, getting his Dodger hat. So he has some things to get in order before, before camp opens up. He should be good to go though. Too. Yeah. He, Kale needs to hustle. He's got what, uh, three, four weeks to get that done. So yeah, you know, uh, go to a Dodger game this weekend against the Mets, although he's probably not in the States right now, but yeah, it's uh, the pressure's on Jay. You, you, the taskmaster that you are, uh, you know, put it to him. Yeah, no, he will be at the, uh, he will be at a Arizona I was going to say Arizona Coyotes because I have the Coyotes on my mind. He'll be at a Diamondbacks game perhaps later this week. Um, but when he get does get back to Los Angeles, uh, we'll have to get him, make sure he gets to a Dodger game again. He's been there once before. Look, uh, development camp is starting next week. And so we're kind of hopscotching around here because Clegg will not be back in Los Angeles until September. Uh, of course, rookie camp opens up, and then he'll probably even just join the main camp um, given uh, – in terms of like who they bring to rookie camp normally, it's based upon number of right. years that you've been a pro and whatnot. Kale's probably going to just sure. uh, be at the, the main camp as we talked about there with him. But uh, so development camp, though, is step one to get some of the prospects going. And that kicks off on Monday of next week, DB. And uh, I did put out a roster preview yesterday. Fans can check that out. Kind of a, a, a early look at who is scheduled to be there, who won't be there. One of the key people that will be there, DB, is 
Arthur Kaliev, who we talked briefly about in the first period, talking about number 34, uh, I wanted to share something, and that is uh, his nickname, apparently, and I did not know this, only came up, stumbled upon it recently, is Bike Tyson, which is <laughs> certainly interesting. Uh, and so reached out to try to sort of figure out what this is all about. And apparently the story is he was so skinny um, when he was a kid many, many years ago. He's, he's not now. He's very thick and stocky now. But he was so skinny back then that some of his friends took to calling him Bike. And because um, he was a big fan of Mike Tyson, Igor Larionov put that – Junior, Igor Larionov the second, not, yes. not, not the uh, former Detroit Red Wing. But, not the professor. Yeah, his no. friend. They're, they're friends. Uh, you can always find them sparring back and forth on Twitter as well uh, if you're into that sort of thing. But uh, So Larionov started calling him Bike Tyson, and um, that just – has become something at stake. They also apparently sometimes refer to him as doctor because uh, his his original frequent flyer uh, card that by I think it was Lutanza or something, one of the airlines, um, they put doctor on his card. And, of course, he never bothered. To, <laughs> <laughs> he never bothered to have it corrected. So they refer to him as doctor. So these are all great stories and things to talk about with young Kaliev. So hopefully nobody steals these things uh, because these are uh, questions that I plan on talking to Artie about when we see him here, hopefully next week uh, at camp at Toyota Sports Performance Center. And then the big thing that's going to go down is going to be on Saturday, August 28th at Staples Center. Told you guys about that recently. And uh, DB. Kings fans, if you're a season ticket holder or a mini ta- uh, uh, mini plan holder, you should have already received mm-hmm. an email to go ahead and reserve tickets. Uh, Dennis, you won't be available that particular day. You'll be down in Del Mar watching the ponies. Who's racing on the 28th? I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure one of. We just had a predetermined trip to Del oh, okay. Mar for that weekend, but but I've got you know I've got so many horses, John. There's probably one running yeah. at, at some point in time. So. Maybe before our next episode, uh, I might be able to announce who's running. But there's actually one running, I think, this this next Saturday. But the following Saturday, nothing right now. But, you know, the one, and I think that's the only part, one of the uh, packages that I own is, I think, 10 or 12 horses. And they're now coming to uh, the age of maturity where they're getting on the track. So there might be one yeah. running. Uh, Got Stormy was a really good one. She's going to run actually against boys um, at, for a million-dollar race in, in Kentucky. In I think on September 11th, uh, they were going to put her in the. Uh, she's eligible for the Breeders' Cup Mile in November, um, but uh, we'll see about that. But uh, yeah, she's going to run against the uh, the boys in Kentucky on I think September 11th. Yeah, but that horse is not in the in the in the pool. That, yes, that that's not in separate. the. Yeah, that that was a separate. Yeah, that was a separate purchase. Yeah, because I think in the pool that we're in together, I think only one of the horses has run so far. The yeah. official race, if yes. I remember correctly. Sacred Beauty. Yeah, Sacred Beauty, and she came in last. So it's only only upwards and uh, up, no, Frosted Oats. No, actually, no, we had two horses run. Sacred Beauty and Frosted Oats. Frosted Oats finished last, but then finished third on the turf um, at Saratoga. So she actually uh, did well in her second running. So. But you had the horse that came in, was it $27 the other day? Yeah, it got stormy. That was got okay. stormy. She's a she's a six. She's actually actually won that. It's the called the four star Dave. It's a it's a Grade One handicap, and it, the winner of that race gets you the right to go to the Breeders' Cup Mile on turf. And the unusual thing about this horse, she's six years old. She's won that race as a four year old, and then again as a six year old, which really never happened. Wow. So it's uh, so yeah. So that's uh, that's a. Uh, She's a star. Okay. Sure. All right. Well, when you get back from the uh, trip to Del Mar, you'll have to give us another another brief update. But, yes, it will. hopefully we'll have yeah. more uh, from that pool of whatever it is, 12 or 14 horses. More yes. of them will start racing, and maybe we can start winning some races. That would be great. Uh, there sure. is a tournament, back to hockey, DB. 
Um, so again, just to set yes. the stage for everybody, you have development camp next week. Then you have the event on eight twenty eight at Staples Center, and then uh, you have rookie camp, which is going to open in mid September. And I think on September sixteenth at ten a.m. If everybody wants to call in sick from work that day, September sixteenth at ten a.m. The Kings prospects will take to the ice for the very first time as part of rookie camp at Toyota Sports Performance Center, and then they will be. Uh, packing up and leaving. I was thinking to say box up, I guess, but whatever. They're going to pack up and leave. They'll be going to Arizona three games this year in the rookie tournament. Dennis, mm-hmm. this is the tournament that uh, I've made mention of quite quite often because uh, it's it's already had two iterations of the, the tournament. Um, the first one was in Las Vegas, uh, which was wildly successful. Six teams were part of it, including the Sharks, the Kings, the Ducks, the Coyotes, Vegas and uh, Arizona. And then the second version of that happened in Anaheim. We did a podcast from there as well. You might remember this all seems like forever ago, Dennis, because the pandemic shut this thing down from happening last year. It was supposed to be in Arizona last year. It was canceled. So the Coyotes are hosting this year, which is awesome. And as I broke the story uh, a couple weeks ago, the Kings will be hosting this uh, great rookie tournament, the rookie face-off tournament next year, next September at TSPC. But so, so here's the deal, Dennis. On Friday, September 17th in Arizona, the Kings will play the Avalanche, the Sharks will play the Ducks, and the uh, Golden Knights will play the Coyotes. And then just one footnote there is that all of the Coyotes games in this tournament will be played at the arena, which is over in Glendale, mm-hmm. which is on the west side of Phoenix. And then all of the other games, the games not involving the Coyotes, they will take place over at the Ice Den, which is the the, uh, Coyotes practice facility in Scottsdale, which is over on the sort of northeast side of town, about 30 minutes away, for those of you that aren't familiar. So um, that's the schedule for Friday. Saturday is an off day for all of the teams. So I guess they'll practice at the Ice Den and whatnot. And then um, the tournament resumes on Sunday and Monday. And uh, Sunday, the feature game, would be the Kings against the Coyotes at the arena. That's at 6.30 p.m. It's going to be a busy day down there, DB, because the uh, Cardinals, as yeah. we were talking about off air, they have a home game that afternoon, 1 o'clock, 1 p.m., against the Minnesota Vikings. So a lot going on there. What's that shopping center called? Westgate, right? Westgate, So yes. a lot going on there uh, in, the, in those eateries. They're going to get a, a double dip. They're going to get all the football fans. They're going to have the football game clear everybody out, and then they're going to bring in the hockey people, and uh, they'll get to eat and drink at those restaurants and then go to the hockey game. So earlier that day, if you wanted to go to the Ice Den, um, you could see Vegas play the Sharks or, and or Colorado play the Ducks, the Avalanche against the Ducks, and then the Kings will play the Coyotes that night on Sunday. And then Monday, the tournament wraps up, DB. Uh, you have the Sharks playing the Avalanche, and then you have the Kings playing the Golden Knights. That game is at 11 a.m. on Monday afternoon at the Ice Den, and then at noon – at the big arena, Ducks versus Coyotes. I'm curious, DB. I think the attendance is going to be, I'm just guessing, vastly different. Uh, the Kings-Coyotes, 6.30 p.m. on Sunday night mm-hmm. and versus noon on Monday, right in the middle of the day. All the kids are in school, yeah. I think, and most people are at work, I think. Uh, I'm just curious. Right. And that's not. it doesn't even follow the NHL's normal rules. Right, you can't have a six thirty p.m. game during the regular season. No, you couldn't. And then play a noon game the next right. day. I'm just curious why they scheduled the game in the middle of the day. Why not, like, why not make it another six thirty game? The only thing I can think of, John, is that the arena wouldn't be available. Uh, Maybe there's a, another event in the arena. Yeah, I'd have. To, I guess you'd have to check and see what the schedule is for Tuesday. I know that there yeah. is there is a concert booked at the arena on Saturday, and that's probably why everybody has a day off on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
Yeah, I don't know. I just think that's weird to play a Coyotes play at 630 on Sunday. The Ducks are probably pretty happy about it because um, the Ducks play their game at four on Sunday. I guess it's two mm-hmm. and a half hours. Not that big of a difference. But you would think just mentally you would think that Anaheim goes into that game on Monday right. with a little bit of an advantage because they have a little bit more rest. I guess it's just a couple of hours. I was thinking it was much, much earlier. But no, they they've staggered the games. Um, or they have not. I should say, excuse me. They have not staggered the games as much as I think they've been staggered in years past. And so there has to be some sort of a reason. Right. I'm not sure I'm not sure why that is. I'm curious how it's going to play out in, in L.A. Uh, with just a couple of sheets of ice and how they're going to stagger things. Um, mm-hmm. But that's that's a year away, Dennis. We'll worry about that at that time. So, Mayor, does that mean that training camp wouldn't start until at least the 21st? Uh, big camp starts, I believe, on the 22nd, yes. 22nd, yeah. okay. So, again, for those that aren't familiar with how it works, so rookie camp takes place first, and then the the rookie camp group is sort of blended into what they call mm-hmm. main camp, and then there usually are two to three rounds of cuts. Uh, the first round of cuts would be after uh, just usually a couple days of main camp. You right. would get a lot of the sort of fringe players, and I don't mean that based upon skill, just you know, some maybe some of the invitees, maybe some other things, uh, you know, guys that you know are going back to you know particular places where they're not going to – they don't really have – much of any chance at all of making the NHL roster this particular year. You, ta- you you get some of those guys that get cut first. And then the second group is typically the cuts have to do with the Ontario Reign then opening up camp. So they're right. all the guys that you're going to ship to your, uh, or the majority, not all. They're the majority of the guys that you're going to ship off to your American League um, group. The other thing that's interesting, Dennis, is in years past, the Kings have sometimes been a little bit slow to make some of those cuts because the mm-hmm. first or second round of preseason games, NHL preseason games, there was that split squad game where right. half the group was here and the other half of the group was typically in Arizona against the Coyotes. And so you, you needed two full squads. You needed them. Right. To be you needed, right. But they don't have a split squad game this time around. So you don't need the bodies. So mm-hmm. I would look to, I guess I'm kind of tipping, tipping somebody's hand here, but I would look to that game at Frozen Fury, which is going to be in Salt Lake City this time around and say, Probably going to be a good round of cuts prior to that game. Sure. Because why would you want to take a whole extra ton travel. of people yeah. in, in travel, right? So probably that would be one of the one of the key points. They never announce those dates ahead of time. You don't – I mean, like with World Junior Camp, you know when the cuts are going to take place. But yeah. Uh, yeah. at least I don't ever recall seeing a schedule saying on this particular day in training camp, no. the LA Kings are going to make <laughs> – I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll ask Todd that going into, you know um, – just let him know. Hey, First day. Daryl always announced when it was, when the cuts were going to be. <laughs> Do you feel comfortable? Do you feel comfortable going public with uh, with when the dates will be to make those cuts? Who knows? He might. Okay. Yeah, sure. Maybe not. Okay. I'm not holding my – it's a sound of me not holding my breath. Okay. okay. Well, uh, look, McClellan, I thought, was very forthcoming when we had him on the podcast uh, early – let's see. Oh, in, yeah. Right before training camp opened. So – Wow, Dennis, I didn't even think about it. We're getting to that point here. We need to start lining up when Todd's going to come on the program. Uh, That's right. Probably exactly. before. Yeah, because last time around, all the camps kind of opened together. Or NHL camp actually opened right. before the AHL. But this is a more normal season. So probably mm-hmm. just after Labor sure. Day, we want to get, get the Todd father back on and ask him a series of questions. Absolutely. What's your first question for Todd? Uh, um, I think that's a good question, Um How much better is the roster this season than last season with the additions? Good question. What do you think? What's, what would your answer be if asked that question? Uh, I would say it's probably 
Well, John, it depends. Like, what's what's Victor Arvidsson? Uh, to me, I think the whole pivotal guy is Arvidsson. Is he a 10-goal guy or is he a 25-goal guy? If he's 25, if he's that guy who, I'm not saying 33 that he scored in national, I think that, uh, that's a major improvement. Phil Deneau, you know what you're going to get from Phil Deneau. Like, and, and I think when I look at some of the statistics, John, I think that this team did not do well off the rush. And when you have uh, Arvidsson and you have Deneau, um, they are going to play more off the rush, and hopefully that will help them offensively. So if they can – and Phil's going to play the form, right? That, so I'm not worried. I think the question is, is Arvidsson, and he had that injury a couple of years ago, is he, can he still be that guy? So I think it's can their offense improve off the rush? If they can, then, you know, you look at the odds and sometimes you chuckle that it, Seattle's 12-1 to 1 to win the division. So I think it, I think it may come down to, all, look, of course, the emergence of some of the kids without question. But I think to me the key guy is Victor Arvidsson. He's a 25 or 27 goal guy in um, in this 82 game season. Then this team's legitimately going to be significantly better. Yeah, I think part of the question also becomes who plays on that line because the assumption is that he's playing up right. front with Kopitar. So you have 33 on the right side, 11 in the middle, and who's on the left? Is it going to be 19 or is it going to be 23? Who has played on the left side, of course, uh, previously mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and did quite well there. Uh, I think that that's the question because then it sort of starts to trickle down from there. Who's going to be on the second line? And right. for for Dino, like you said, you know what you're getting in Dino. For Dino's line, it's going to be about the wingers. So who's on the wing with 100%. him? Is it Iafalo? Is it Brown? Is it Kempe? Is yeah. it Leas Anderson? I mean, the list goes on and on about how you sort of put all that stuff together. Is it Velarde, or do you put Velarde in as the three C? So you have a lot 3C, of different yeah. you have a lot of different options there. And um, if I'm guessing. And this is just a guess. I think Todd would probably say we're going to have to sort it out in camp, right? Um, to me, that's a generic right. answer. The real answer would be what's he putting on the whiteboard because he probably already has plan A, plan B, and plan C, right? One of the plans probably has Velarde playing on the, the wing on the second line, wing, and another yeah. plan probably mm-hmm. has Velarde as the 3C. Hell, who knows? There yeah. might even be another plan that has Velarde playing on the fourth line, which is where he had him playing last year. You, you just you never know. Well, it's tough. I think that – but I think that rings true, job because you're basically adding two top six players, mm-hmm. and you have to figure out the chemistry there, right? So I think that that he's going to have right, he's going to have A, B, C, but I don't think he, he certainly can't be married to him because you guys haven't played together. And then again, what do you do with your remaining parts? Like you said, I follow. You would think you would stay with Kopitar because you want a guy to dig in the corners, right? And Norbertson's going to be the shooter. Mm-hmm. So, but I think it's going to be intriguing to see how that treatment of the top six is when we, once we get the camp. Yeah, I like the idea. I've said this before too. I like the idea of of nineteen uh, being the winger uh, of eleven and thirty three up front, just because of the when you look mm-hmm. at the skill sets of each of those three players. I think that's very complimentary, right. and I also Agreed. like it because I do like the idea of twenty three playing with Velarde. So I don't know how you make that work, but I like that concept. I saw it a little bit last year, and I, I thought that it, it, it blended well together. It was a very, very, very small sample size. I understand that. But I'd like right. to put those two back together. And uh, who knows? Maybe you go sort of with you know the Swedish wingers, and maybe you go with Kempe and, uh, sure. and, and Leas Anderson as the wingers, uh, which should hopefully provide some offense you know, with Deneau as the center. Not really sure, uh, but I, I do know this. I shouldn't say I know this, but I would like to believe this. I would like to believe that there are multiple backup plans put in place because of the lesson that they learned last year going into the season, thinking that Olimata was going to be the guy with Drew Doughty and then having to quickly realize, hey, we're going to need to pivot off of this plan. I'd like to believe that there are multiple plans put in place this year so that Mm – they're not married to the idea. You know, if 33 and 11, for whatever reason, just don't have chemistry and it's not working, 
you might have to go a different right. direction. You might have to let him drop down yeah. and let Arvidsson start out with Dano for whatever reason, and maybe you keep that sure. Kopitar line together. But I think that I think most people, Dennis, are are really excited about the opportunity of Kopitar playing with another group of wingers, Wh- whatever combination that means. Yeah, just that right. okay, as solid Understood. as eleven and twenty three have been, it's time to try something new. And when you get two new top six uh, forwards it's time to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, agreed. And that's what Rob said, right? And the media availability at the end of the season, the roster wasn't good enough. He improved the roster with two legitimate top six players. Like despite what the people in Montreal say about Philip Deneau, he's he's a top six player. He's, he's got to help. And, and again, I love his skating ability. And I think, again, I think when I looked at the numbers, the advance of this, this not, was not a good team off the rush. I think these two players will help improve that as well as, Maybe one or two of the kids coming up and emerging, and and you know, John, I think you've been very clear with respect to what your expectations are. Guys like Byfield and Tirka, they're probably uh, they're going to be impact players in the second half, not the first half, uh, which is fine. So I just think that uh, I, I like to see this team quicker and better off the rush. If they can, if they can do that, then they should be in the conversation for the three seed in the division. Yeah, as much as everybody would like to see Quentin Byfield make the opening night lineup from an asset perspective, asset management perspective, sure. it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, and because in order to have him, you know, uh, on the opening night 23 man roster, you're you're going to end up exposing yet another player. They're already going to put a couple players on waivers. They just they don't have any waivers, other choice. Right. They have too many forwards sure. in the bottom six. Um, so the the more sane decision would be to let Byfield open up in the American Hockey League and and sort of let things play out, whether it be injuries, trade, whatever. But unfortunately, most of those players in the bottom six, people say, oh well, why put them on waivers? Why not just trade them? Well. Some of those players that are bubble, you know, guys that would end up on waivers, what's their trade value? And you have to remember that the other yeah. team has to have a roster spot for them or they're going to end up having to right. put them on waivers and just lose the player anyway. So it's one of the reasons you don't see a lot of guys claimed during camp. I mean, yeah. the Kings certainly have. Or traded. Yeah, or, or traded yeah. for that matter, right? The, the rosters are pretty yeah. much set. Sometimes camp opens up and a guy has an injury that – the team wasn't, you know, really expecting or whatever, or his recovery over the summer didn't go as planned, and so there's there's an opening that's created. But it's not like 25 teams are going to be calling the Kings, you know, inquiring about a fourth line forward, uh, you know, sure. <laughs> come opening day of camp. Yeah, absolutely. Like Austin Wagner would be an example. Like, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, it's it's going to be, uh, yeah, and, and and all the other teams are trying to figure out their depth chart mm-hmm. too. So that's why you don't see a lot of activity. Like you said, if there's an injury in, in an area for a team that has weakness and no depth, of course you might have a claim or a trade. But other than that, you don't see a lot of happening. Yeah, and and Byfield's not the only one. The Kings are trying to figure out what to do with Tikachev. Does he impress enough? Does he end up on right. the wing? Um, they see him, if he makes the NHL, they see him as a top six winger. They see him playing most likely with a Deneau. So, again, that has to be factored in because that's another guy taking an NHL roster spot away from some of those sure. bubble players, guys like Blake Lizotte, guys like Austin Wagner, guys like Martin Furk. There's a number of players that um, just might get squeezed out, and we did even hear Todd talking about that last year, that he likes to see more competition among the uh, the guys. Let's just quickly, Dennis, we have all kinds of time over the next month to argue about this, but I, since we're talking roster, let's just quickly mention the defense. Uh, interesting with, with Alex Edler and where to play him. I strongly believe, I don't know why, I just do, I strongly believe that he will not be lining up against Drew, or alongside Drew Doughty. Um, I just think that after what happened with Mata and everything else and given his age at 35 and a thousand games played, you want to put him in a role where you can kind of protect him a little bit better and try to get him back to his previous self where he was, what, a 30 or 40 point producer for three straight years. In order to do that, you would either put him on the second pair or the third pair. 
my point here, though, is I think it becomes interesting on who you pair him with because last year the second pair was Bjornfoot and Matt Roy, and that seemed to be, right. on many nights, one of the groups, one of the team's better defensive pairs. So do you want to break that group up, or do you maybe move them down to the third pair, bump Sean Walker up to the second pair right side opposite Edler, and and maybe try to get a little bit more offense going because I think that Walker's offense last year – in addition to the injury and some things he was working through, maybe you didn't see as much offense as you had in the past from Sean Walker because he was playing third-line minutes. Maybe if you can get him second-line minutes, he can uh, open up his offense a little bit more, especially playing with a true defensive defenseman in Alex Edler. Yeah, maybe. But then you're putting Matt Roy on the third pair. Which, yeah. If it's a championship team, I get. But uh, unless, John, unless you're going to significantly pare down Drew Doughty's minutes which I don't see happening off the bat. Yeah, well, the other option there would be even if you do pair Edler with Walker, you do it on the third pair. So you kind of keep the top two defensive pairs together, which would be Mikey playing with with Dowdy, and then you would have Bjornfoot playing with Roy, and then you have Edler playing that third pair defenseman with uh, Walker. I think it goes back to your point about how much offense Edler can provide. He he was what zero goals, yes. eight assists last year. If he's going to be that, then put him on the third pier. If he's going to be the offensive fourth he was back in the day, a few seasons ago in Vancouver, then I'd I'd be tempted playing with Drew and have a true number one pairing because you know Mikey's not going to give you a lot of offense, which is fine. I have no problem with Mikey Anderson with Drew Doughty. It's just what what is Alex Edler at this point in time? I think that's what we have to find out. And as crazy as it is, you also have Oli Mata lurking in the background who wants to get into the lineup as well. Sure. And it wouldn't surprise me if one night, um, I certainly don't think this would be the case on a regular basis because uh, you all know what I think about Mikey Anderson, but it wouldn't surprise me to right. see on one particular night to see Bjornfoot playing up with Dowdy, Edler playing with Roy, and maybe uh, Mata playing with uh, Walker as the third as the third pair. Yeah, I agree with you, John, especially in a more physical team like, um, like Vegas. Mm-hmm. Give an example. That would be the team because th- this team does lack size on the blue line. Edler, yeah, I guess not. He's not, you know, Victor Hedman, but he's certainly a little bit more substantial on the blue line physically than a guy like Mikey Anderson. So yeah, and it's nothing wrong. It, it's not a disrespect to what Mikey Anderson's done here. It's just that for certain style of teams like a, a Vegas or St. Louis, you might want to go that that route. I agree. St. Louis, they're always lurking there in the background. And Dennis, I uh, I was <laughs> looking over the schedule. The Kings are going to do that deal. Uh, this kind of went untalked about. Uh, it's weird phrasing of language but um it wasn't it wasn't really discussed when the schedule came out uh we we were eagerly anticipating there being more of these two game series like there were last year and those continuing by and large they didn't continue however the st louis blues and the kings they will play one of those two game series coming up next year so that'll be something fun to look forward to um where the kings will travel to st louis and play two games in a row against the blues that'll certainly be interesting yeah, it'll be fun. I guess because of the balance schedule, John, you got to play everybody. If you're only playing your division four or five times, really, it doesn't give you the opportunity to do the back-to-back. So it was fun while it lasted, but uh, I'd rather have a normal 82 games. Yeah, unfortunately, there won't be five straight games against or four games uh, or five <laughs> games straight against the Anaheim Ducks. I'll have to save that uh, for the playoffs. When in when in fact the playoffs when when in fact both teams do return to the playoffs. Uh, unfortunately, Anaheim did not make a lot of roster additions, so you have to wonder no. where that club stands uh, right now. I don't think they'll be fighting for a playoff spot at this particular moment, but who knows? Maybe Trevor Zegers as the 1C, 1C will be enough to uh, to get things going, and, and Mike Stuthers behind the bench. Uh, maybe it's you know as an assistant, 
but uh, maybe it's time to to get to get Anaheim going, and maybe maybe it'll be the return of the Death Triangle. It'll be L.A., San Jose, and Anaheim, and they're back to the glory days. Yeah, John, in twenty twenty seven. I don't like what the Ducks said. Maybe 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 your boy Stutz is a miracle worker because that's what I think what it'll take for that team to get to the postseason this year. Uh, let's end on this uh, because I heard Eric Stevens uh, on NHL Radio the other day a- answering a question about the likelihood of John Gibson being traded. And I thought that he would immediately dismiss the idea, which he did not. So um, that is interesting. We know that Colorado was one of the teams that had inquired and asked about him, but they've moved on. They've solved their goaltending issues. I think the Ducks have three guys that are going to be unrestricted free agents next year um, or close to it. Uh, Raquel, uh, don't recall the other two off the top of my head. Oh, Manson, and they have one other. Um, uh, Gibson is under contract for a couple of years, but... If they he don't is. believe that they're going to be a championship club in the next, you know, say three years, they have another young goaltender, a hot young goaltender who's coming up and can eventually replace him. So would would the, would they move on from John Gibson? Yeah, it depends on the return. I mean, when, when there was the chatter about Jack Eichel, like Buffalo doesn't have a goaltender. Yeah. That, that would have been – he would have been at the top of the deal, so that would be it. I, I, of course you move on. If it improves the team – I mean, I, if I'm a GM, John, if I make a if, if trade improves the team, I do it. Mm-hmm. So John Gibson, yeah, yeah, they do have you know goalie in the system. But with respect to me, I I would, they're they're that they're far away, John. Yeah. To be honest with you, so if you get a three three for one, I wouldn't think a four for one for a goalie. But for John Gibson, I think if he went to a contending team and you brought back three assets, I think it would be a move you have to consider. I'm not saying necessarily do it, but I, I think that's a situation where there, there's truly. I, I mean, you want to talk about Zegers and Drysdale being untouchables, sure. Uh, but after that, I think a guy like John Gibson, who's established himself, and you can get value for him, you'd have to look at that if it was a legitimate deal. Yeah, those are two separate type of trades, though. The one is a three-for-one return where you get a first-rounder and two other valuable prospects, a three-for-one yeah. in return for Gibson, versus the other type of trade you mentioned, which is including Gibson as part of a package in order to get yourself yeah. Jack Eichel. And that would be interesting. Uh, and, you know, to at the time of this recording, Eichel is still a member of the Buffalo Sabres, believe it or not. <laughs> so we'll have to see how much longer this uh, drama is going to play itself out with training camp opening up they need to if he stays in buffalo next year they need to do like the hard knocks you know the uh behind the scenes follow the team (laughs) the sabers might not be fun to watch on the ice next year but it would be very interesting to get some cameras rolling behind the scenes and watching the uh the maneuvers within the sabers locker room i just don't get how you can bring that guy into camp i get it and not only that they have to move on by next season because then there's no movement clicks in and he's got more control over the deal. So I just look. I get the medical stuff, and I get that they haven't still decided on what the, the, the right course of action is going forward. But but the, we're a month away, John. He's going to be in camp. Short of you know they taking less or they agreeing on some sort of prognosis on what to do, which to me is just stunning with respect to culture. You're trying to build a culture here, and you want to just inject that into you know a new team with a new coach with kids coming in. It's just to me, it's it's mind boggling. Well, wisely, Owen Power said, "Thanks, but no thanks. I'll go back." to college for another year you guys sort this out right let mom and dad yeah. argue and f- resolve their issues and go to counseling and get it under control you guys can fix all of this hopefully next year while i'm at michigan uh contending for a national championship uh at right. college and then uh, we can talk again next summer's kind of basically what he said so uh he said it before the draft he was he was leaning towards going back to school and he definitely mm-hmm. leaned into it i guess earlier this week and made it <laughs> made it official so there you go stuff to follow db another great episode a lot of fun thanks to kel Clegg for coming on and spending yeah. some time with us look forward to catching up with him next month and uh, on his mission to earn number 10 in la and uh dennis next week development camp kids on the ice We're back at TSPC. Life is normal again next week, Dennis. 
Can't wait, Jake. Amen. All right. Have a good one, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Personality, the cult of personality.